they're like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? There's no honey in either of those drinks. And I was like, wait, there's not? And they're like, no. Or have you been making it with honey? And I was like, yeah, that's what it's sweetened with. And they're like, dude, you're an idiot. That's not in the drink. So little did I know that I was making the awesome. drink wrong all along. But a light bulb went off my head. I was like, well, what if I took a different approach at the canned cocktail industry as a whole and made a better for you canned cocktail that the underlying sweetener with all the drinks is honey? What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here again with another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast, and I'm super stoked to have my buddy Jack in the building here today. Welcome to Austin, Texas. How are you doing? Dude, I am doing great. Thank you for having me here today. It's it's good to be in Austin too. I I absolutely love this city. I'm not here often, but it's it's a great city to be in. Yeah, man. It's 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 tough to put words to, but Jackson Town for an event that he was co-hosting, hosting. What what? It, it was kind of a mixture. It was a co-host host kind of event. We um kind of put on this whole event for it was called the hive hustle um so it was a 5k into a workout led by matt johnson and eric hinman so you can guess it was a pretty hard workout and then got into a pickleball event when everyone was drinking hive having fun and you know a little type two fun which i absolutely love oh yeah and it was at east austin paddle club yeah paddle yeah east yeah east side paddle club awesome yeah, yeah. and the cool thing about it is one, all the awesome people that yeah. you brought there. Uh, two, all the the brands that were there. And I, I'd love to kick today's conversation off around allowing you to take a couple of minutes here to promote what you've built and the thing that you're passionate about building. Because I love, uh, even though I don't drink anymore, I love what you're kind of working towards mm -hmm. and what it looks like and the community aspect of it. And I think you're doing a lot of cool things and I would love for you to kind of spotlight that and allow the, the, the listener here to right from the, the start, understand who Jack is and, and what hive is. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm Jack SB. I'm the founder of spirited hive, um, which is a can cocktail that is, you know, it's a better for you can cocktail in the space that is only sweetened with organic wildflower honey only using natural ingredients and higher quality spirits. So we have five different flavors right now with four different alcohol bases. Mm -hmm. um, so here's our tequila skew. So this kind of is our take on a Mexican mule. So it's a ginger and lime infused honey. Then CJ over there has our... Uh, this bourbon whiskey mm -hmm. coloring. Oh man, this it's, is a this is great branding. I would have definitely had a couple of these <laughs> yeah <laughs> a few years ago mm -hmm. not anymore but i i just love uh the branding on this 
Really oh yeah, sharp. thank you. Yeah, yeah. So that I mean, it's really, and I can kind of just explain the brand through just like of conversation of how it you know was kind of started. Um, so my whole background is in was in real estate finance and real estate development. I was at USC in LA studying and uh, in undergrad, and uh, COVID hit. My whole you know I was about to accept a job at JLL in their capital markets division would have been probably working like 12 hour days for who knows how long. And uh, that fell through because of COVID. And I always tell people, you know, like everyone else at this point in time, I was at home mixing up one too many quarantine cocktails. (laughs) And uh, it's a very organic and natural story of how, you know, Spirited Hive came to be because I was making my two favorite drinks, which are Moscow mules and Mexican mules. And uh, what is a mes- Mexican mule? Mexican mule is just a Moscow mule, but instead of vodka, you use tequila. Okay. Um, so I was making these drinks for you know my hive or my friends, you know, if you will. And I'm not a mixologist by any means. Let's just put that out there before we get into this conversation. Like the closest thing I got to being a mixologist was you know just being in a fraternity in college. That was like as close as I got to like you know actually making drinks. But um, I could make a pretty mean Moscow mule, Mexican mule. So I was making these drinks for my buddies and, you know, a couple of drinks in there like, Jack, like this might be the best drink I've ever had. Like you've got to can this thing because, you know, that was right at the beginning of, you know, the can cocktail boom, as I like to say it, of all these new can cocktails coming out. I mean, at that point in time, there was a can cocktail coming out like every week. And I was like, guys, you know, I got nothing else better going on. It was like the height of the pandemic. I was doing nothing. I was actually at NYU getting my master's, but it was all online and it was super easy. So I was like, wanted something to kind of pique my interest and get me going. And I was like, yeah, it would be cool to have my own brand, like kind of as like a joke. Like I didn't think it was going to turn into anything serious, but we're all sitting around the bar thinking about, you know, different names for this new brand that I was going to create. And after a couple of terrible names, I had like a aha moment. And I was like, wait, guys, what about the name Mint B? And they were like, dude, that might be the worst name yet. <laughs> like, they're like, dude, what are you talking about? That's like such a stupid name. Um, and they're like, why Mint B? And I was like, well, you know, because there's Mint and a Moscow Mule and Mexican Mule and B because they're both sweetened with honey. And they're like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? There's no honey in either of those drinks. And I was like, wait, there's not? And they're like, no, or have you been making it with honey? And I was like, yeah, that's what it's sweetened with. And they're like, dude, you're an idiot. That's not in the drink. So little did I know that I was making the awesome. drink wrong all along. But secondly, like a light bulb went off my head and I'm super focused on health and fitness, but also embracing kind of balance in my everyday life. Like, yeah, I get to the gym every day. I work hard in the gym. I work hard in in life and just taking care of my body, but I also like to have fun. So at that point in time, I was like, well, what if I took a different approach at the whole canned cocktail industry as a whole and made a better for you canned cocktail that the underlying sweetener with all the drinks is honey using organic honey and then using natural flavors, ingredients, juices on top of that and using higher quality spirits. So that's kind of like kicked off the brand. And we started with this one. So this is our rendition on a Mexican mule. Then we, and then, you know, cause it's still at the height of the pandemic. So I made this one and I had in like, um, those like Mason jars. Mm-hmm. It was like a, would, I would bring it to parties and people were like, what is that? And I was like, oh, you got to try it. It's this new thing I'm doing. And after a couple of parties, people were like, yeah, the tequila is really, really good. But, you know, does this whole thing work with bourbon? All my like bourbon loving buddies were like, hey, does it work with bourbon? And I was like, well, 
bourbon and honey go hand in hand. So let's take a stab at it. So I got into the kitchen and mixed up, you know, a plethora of different flavors. And we landed on that one, or I landed on that one, which is a rosemary and lemon infused honey. And then, you know, for a couple of months after that, I had the bourbon and the tequila going to parties and everything. And then all my friends that were girls were like, well, look, like, the tequila is pretty good. I don't like bourbon. And they're like, honestly, we're not the biggest tequila drinkers, but we love vodka. It doesn't work with vodka. In my head, I was like, vodka and honey, like that mixture does not seem like that's going to work. But, you know, I got into the kitchen, made our take on a Cosmo. So cranberry and lime infused honey. And that's our bestseller, like by far. Like, I think that makes up like 40% of all of our sales is that one. I'm and, actually, I'm not surprised at all by that though. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, yeah. vodka is like the fat, like, well, tequila is like the fastest growing, but vodka has always been the biggest seller in the spirit space. And so. if you're thinking of like purchase, like just you, you mentioned women, yeah, right? Like when you're talking the canned experience, canned cocktail experience, like women women are going to be the drivers of that market. And then if oh, totally, like if a woman is drinking that thing, then the males are going to be like, oh, let me try that. Exactly. And that's the funny thing is, is that when I like first started marketing this product, I was like marketing it towards men. Cause I was like, oh yeah, it's gotta be like, you know, very manly cause you know, the bourbon and the tequila and everything. And then we started getting like the sales back and like started doing kind of like some sales analysis on like who really the demographic was. And at that point in time, it was like, I think it was like 70% women and it was mainly leading from the vodka and, and it makes sense. You know, the RTD industry is more so kind of towards women. Um, but what was funny, so we like released those three into the market, um, the bourbon, the tequila, the vodka. And, um, you know, I started the company in 2020, but didn't release it until May of 2022. Cause I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. Like just straight out of college had, was super naive. I was like, yeah, how hard could it be to make a canned cocktail and, you know, get it to market on top of that be, yeah, just like you, I'm thinking backtracking how hard is yeah. it to produce anything in a can and then you have to add in there's alcohol in it the rules and, and regulations around exactly. that yeah I mean the whole thing was just and I always tell people like sometimes it's great to be naive because you know I wouldn't have done this if I had known the complexities behind everything especially not only in FMB CPG FMB because that's one of the most competitive spaces there is but go one step further RTD industry is probably the most competitive space that you can be in right now, let alone all the regulation that goes into it with each state's different from a regulatory standpoint. And then you have to deal with just so many hoops that you have to jump through. Um, but luckily I was naive and I had no idea what I was doing, but yeah, it was a long road of like just figuring it out, you know, just getting thrown into the fire to figure it out. Yeah. Let's dive a little bit into that. So, yeah. I mean, you, <sighs> It's a long journey to go from a mason jar to this black, sleek-looking bottle I yeah. have here. And it's almost like I don't even know where to start when it comes to the questions because there's so many different hoops you have to jump through. Yeah. But I think the the best way to frame it is it's who, not how. Yeah. Who were you looking for? to get advice and knowledge from when you were looking to go from jar to making it an actual product? Books, courses, school, specific yeah. people. What was your thought process around who can actually help you get this off the ground? I mean, it was 
um, multiple different people, resources, and everything that led me to being where I am today. And it's mainly who, 100%. Um, I got introduced to um, one of my buddies. I, I like knew him in college. He had a canned cocktail at the time, and he still has it today. It's called Deloche, an espresso martini company. Um, it's honestly absolutely delicious. It's It's such a good product. But he was about a year ahead of where I was at. And I got linked to him through like another one of my buddies. He was a fellow Trojan at USC. And I like got on the call with him and I was just like talking to him. And, you know, I just like asked him a bunch of questions. I was like, hey, like I have this formulation. Um, how do I get it to a can? And he was like, oh, well, look, you got to do this. You got to do that. And it was like all this like kind of just information. And then um, he kind of left me with like trying to figure it out a little bit on like who to reach out to and and just what articles to read and listen to. And it was extremely helpful because that gave me kind of like at least somewhat of a plan on where to start because like you're seeing, it's a daunting thing where it's like, okay, I have this idea. Well, how do I get, you know, branding behind it? How do I get it into a can? How do I get the formulation done? Where do I reach out for like co-packing? So it's so many different things. Um, but he kind of got me at least started on the initial people to reach out to like in formulation. And then that formulator like puts me in touch with co-packers and then that co then the co-packers from there you're like kind of working with branding and all that in the background on building it. So it's like all these little buckets that kind of come together to actually make the product. But it's all about who you meet on the way throughout your journey. You know what I mean? What did it feel like to have your first can? Oh, it was a crazy. It was like literally the craziest thing ever. Because, you know, for so long you're working on something that isn't tangible, you know? Like you're like, okay, like I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Like through the formulations, like testing the products and cans that aren't, branded it's just like a like just a regular silver can when you're trying the the formulations and the samples and then you're seeing everything through like designs of like what the actual packaging looks like and then you go to the co-packing facility for them to like co-pack it and in the background of that you're ordering drums and drums of honey you're ordering natural flavors you're ordering juices and it's all going to this facility and then I remember when I first got my can like the first initial can I was like, oh my God, this is the craziest thing ever. Um, like I actually have a finished product. But the funny thing behind that was that finished product that we initially got was underneath a different brand name. So we had to do a whole rebrand a month after our first production run. Explain why. Um, so another thing that I was naive in <laughs> was when choosing the name for the company, I initially chose Hive Cocktail. Those are two descriptive words, Hive and Cocktail. Hive because there's honey in the product and Cocktail because it's a cocktail. Little did I know about USPTO and getting a trademarks and everything is that it's really hard to trademark descriptive words, which makes sense. Um, so my lawyer at the time was like, hey, I just want you to know that this is very high, very high risk. Like the chances that we're actually going to get Hive Cocktail and get it registered is very low. And at the time I was like, you know what? We'll figure it out. We'll get it. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I'll smile my way through it. Literally. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And um, we go through the first production 
And another thing that I was doing in the background was we, we launched as a Nashville company, built the whole brand in Nashville, and we launched, our initial launch was with the Nashville Soccer Club. So no one had ever seen this product, and we launched with NSC. So while this is all going on, I'm like, oh, shit, Hive Cocktail might not go through. Also, we're branding everything at the stadium. So we have, like, three branded bars. All that stuff is, like, being created. Like, and it's not stuff that you could just, oh, yeah, just a quick rebrand, change, like, everything throughout the stadium because we actually had, like, branded bars. And luckily, you know, for the most part, things, you know, work out. And right after the production run, we produced like at the time it was kind of like an oh fuck moment because we produce a good amount of cans. Now, if that happened today on the amount that we're producing, I'd be like, oh shit, that's like a real problem. So we just audibled and changed the name, uh, redid the whole website, redid everything on socials, um, did like a shrink wrap around the actual can. So this is called a shrink wrap sleeve. What we did is a PSL sleeve. So it just went over it. It was like a big sticker that went over it. Um, so if someone really wanted to see the undercarriage of like the hive cocktail, they could peel it off like back then. But, you know, luckily we made that change early on, but like being a founder and a young founder and not working for anyone before, like I had to be like, you know, easy on myself. Cause you know, I didn't know any better. I was trying to figure it out and trying to like roll with the punches. So you know, everything happens for a reason. Um, and it built us to where we are today. How, and I think the word spirited hive is. Yeah. Much- I was going to ask, how do you, how do you stumble on that? Cause I, that, I, that's a much better name than your first I, yeah, name. Exactly. And I think so too. And I remember when the whole hive cocktail situation happened, I was like, Oh fuck. I was like, what am I going to do? Cause I was like, I, I was in love with that name. And I honestly, like, I literally like had so many brainstorming sessions with a lot of my consultants and a lot of um, the guy who helped me design this is named Scott Higgins. He's obviously amazing at what he does with branding. And we were working together, coming up with all these different names. And it was like, oh my God, I was like, this isn't going to work. I was like, I don't know what we're going to do. And one day I literally was just like, because behind this brand is the whole idea of like, who's your hive? Who are the people that you love to spend time with? And, you know, the whole idea of like, you know, if you like the idea of a better for you can cocktail sweetened with honey, organically sweetened. You know, it doesn't matter if you like bourbon, gin, vodka, tequila, we have one for you. So it's a sense of bringing people together and having this sense of community. And I was like thinking on that. I was like, okay, well, how can, like, what makes a hive a hive? And then I was like, you know, the different people that come to that hive, like the different people in your friend group. And each of those people bring a little something different to the group, like humor or, you know, whatever it is. And those are different spirits. And then we use different spirits in our drink. And I was like, well, what about the name Spirited Hive? And then I was like, oh, shit, that's it. What a great story. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is dope. Why Nashville? Nashville for a couple of different reasons. So at the time, I was living between New York and Nashville. I was going back and forth because it was the height of COVID. My dad has been living in Nashville since 2010. So I grew up between Santa Barbara and Nashville for high school, kind of just going back and forth. I'd see my dad probably like, once a month or once every other month. Um, so I was spending a lot of time there. And then initially what made it happen is I was initially going to launch it in New York. And for people out there listening to this and you're starting a can cocktail company, never, or any CPG company for the most part, never launch a brand new product if you're not fully, like if you don't have that much funding in a top tier market like 
LA, San Francisco, New York, Miami, any of those markets, because it's such an expensive sandbox to open in. And luckily everything happened for a reason. And I was spending a bunch of time in Nashville during COVID and I ended up meeting someone who was like, Hey, like, I, I know what you're doing. You're building this brand. I know of a distributor and you have to have, cause it's a three tiered system with beverage alcohol. You have to have a distributor, especially in Tennessee to launch in that market. You can't do self distribution. So you have to have, especially, especially in Tennessee, you have to have a distributor. So I was like, yes, I would love to talk to him. And at this time I was still trying to get distributors in New York and it was really, really hard because we were a brand new brand and that's where I wanted to launch. But I was like, yeah, I'll entertain this conversation with, you know, launching it in Nashville. And then I ended up meeting uh, David Kahn, who's the head of Empire Distributors. Like it just so happened because like the way that he, my uh, family friend was like, yeah, I'll introduce you to someone that I know that's in distribution. Ended up being the CEO of the fourth largest distributor in the country. So I met with the actual CEO and he was like, I love you. I, he was like, I really love you as like a founder. Like you're very focused on this brand. I can tell that this is going to go somewhere, but I also love the idea of this brand and building it as a Nashville brand. I think it'll work perfectly here in Nashville. Um, and mind you at that same time, I was talking to the Nashville soccer club and building that whole relationship. So it, everything kind of came together and I was like, Hey, like, Let's just launch it here in Nashville and build it as a Nashville brand. What is your innate skill that you think you have that allowed you to get it to the point that it's at today? Because not everybody has that. You, the ability to almost be naive but keep going mm -hmm. is unique. And I'd love to know a little bit more of the self-reflection that you've done on what do you think your aspect, you mentioned everyone brings something to the table. What does Jack bring to the table that helps him in an everyday life of continuing to grow Spirited Hive? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, you know, I honestly think I'm a very extroverted person who loves being around people. And I can make friends with literally anyone. And I think the one thing that really helped build this brand is my personality and just how I love to kind of build my own hive community and like finding the people and not finding the people, but surrounding myself with people that I can actually help me and grow, grow the company. Because this company would not be here today if it wasn't for all the people to help me along the way. There's like, like, yes, I built this brand myself, but not without the help of all these people that brought me here. And I think the one thing that, because there's so many speed bumps in the road and those speed bumps as you grow a brand are only going to get bigger. And I think my determination just to see this thing too, because at the end of the day, I want to sell this brand at some point in the future. And just seeing that in the future of like, hey, I don't know, I don't care how many mountains are in the, between me right now and that goal, but I'm going to get to that goal. And I think it's just that determination of like, Hey, like this is what we're going to do. And this is where we're going to get to. And it's like, sounds cliche, but also I absolutely love what I'm doing. Like I am so excited about building this brand and getting it to where 
I can see it going and meeting the people along the way, like meeting you and meeting this, I mean, here in Austin, this community here about like, you know, people are grinders and they always, you know, are, are looking to, you know, exceed in their every single day, in their everyday life, personal and work. And surrounding myself with those people is kind of what motivates me to keep going. And it kind of all loops around and goes full circle about like back to the hive and back to that hive community. So that's kind of what I think really strive is like striving for me to get to where I am is building that hive community and seeing this thing through, um, no matter what struggles and speed bumps there are along the way. Yeah. There's always a higher peak yeah, to hit and mm-hmm. being able to be aware of that, but still fulfilled with the peak you're on. I think yeah. it's a, a struggle. A lot of people have, but you've seemed and you, you seem to have the personality type. So I agree with the guy that was like, I like you as a founder, you have that personality type that it's like, whatever the mountain is, like <laughs> it might take me a while to get there, but I'm going to climb it. And that's such a valuable characteristic to have. And I mean, I saw it yesterday at the, at the event we were at is just like when you, like you were bringing that event together, but like hive wasn't the focus. Yeah. And I think that's such an important piece like the actual hive was the focus, like mm-hmm. the people there and like yep. the connection, yep. but the product wasn't. And I think a lot of other products out there that try to get off the ground have it the opposite way where they try to make it product focused rather than people focused. And it's very evident that the product, this mm-hmm. product matches Jack as like almost a human being. And that's why I love it. And we're sitting here today, but along the course of, your whole journey with this. Yeah. What has been some unexpected road bumps that you didn't necessarily see? Like I could have guessed that like maybe some legal issues with naming or branding is going to be a struggle, but what are some things that have been like some thorns in your side that you didn't necessarily see coming that have tested you a little bit? Hmm. There's a lot, there's a lot of thorns in this industry. Uh, and I think just for any founder, um, I'm trying to think of like specific ones. I mean, honestly, I think, you know, a big one is just, hmm. well, I can give you a funny story of, and, and kind of like we we're saying, like, you know, there's always a bigger peak. There's always like a bigger speed bump. Always. You know, there's always something that's like, oh shit. And how are you going to get around that? And I remember this was, and now thinking back on it, it's not that, it's like, it's a minor speed bump. But at that point in time, I was like, oh, this is a company killer. Um, yeah, because once you, once, once you climb the mountain, you're like, oh, that wasn't that bad. It was exactly. like that big ass mountain we climbed in, in, in California. Yeah, it's like when you're, strings. when you're yeah. doing it, you're like, fuck. And then once you do it, you're like, ah, yeah. there's and nothing. Then we, then we just go back to the house and hang out at the pool, mm-hmm. whatever. Exactly. So, um, we were doing a variety pack. So we have three cans here, the one that we don't have, or well, we have five cans, but um, we were going to do a variety pack, and the one that's not here is the vodka. So it was going to be two cans of each to make an eight pack. And I was super excited about it. And, you know, I kind of dove into it like a little too quickly. You know, I like saw it and I was like, all right, we're doing it. Like, we're not doing any research. Let's just fucking do it. And that's like one thing that I've, you know, definitely kind of reeled in a little bit, like, hey, like, need to have a plan for whatever we do. And like, 
build and develop everything out. Because if you dive into something, there's going to be problems regardless. Even if it sounds like a foolproof plan, like if you dive into it and not give too much like preconceived thought and like, you know, meaning into it, there's going to be an issue. So we kind of rushed this thing to market way too quickly. And I was on full transparency. I was on a bender of a weekend. I was visiting all my fraternity brothers in LA. We went to an SC game and had like, I don't even know how many hives. Um, definitely not, not embracing balance on this trip by any means. Um, and I got back on a red eye back to New York city and I get a call from my designer and he's like, Hey, we just printed 30,000 variety packs. And I was like, awesome, man, let's get it into market. He's like, there's one issue. And I was like, um, why What's the issue? Um, he was like, we spelled tequila wrong. <laughs> and I was like, what? He was like, yeah, we forgot the I in tequila. And I was like, so it's called, it's Takula now? And he was like, yeah. And I'm sitting there, and literally we just landed. I'm on like the tarmac. On, on, so 30,000 actual cans? 30,000 like, actual packs, like variety packs. Yeah. So like it didn't, like on the can, it's still red yeah, tequila, yeah. but on the pack, it read Takula. And this was about a year ago, probably. Yeah, just about a year ago. And I was like, fuck. I was like, what am I going to do? Because that was like a $75,000 screw up. And for a brand that only had done one raise, every single day I'm looking at how much cash we have in the bank. Every single day. And I'm always looking at, okay, what is our margin? What is our revenue for this month? I'm always looking at that. And I saw this as like, oh no. Like, we're screwed because we would have to reprint as well. So it went from a $75,000 screw up to $150,000 yeah. screw up. So I was like low-key panicking. Like, mm, I was like, oh my God, I like talking to my consultants, talking to like everyone in the space and everyone's telling me a different thing. Like, oh, release it, no one will notice. Uh, <laughs> I got to the point where I was thinking I was gonna create, cause it was uh, on the four pack, it was on the side, two points on the top and one on the other side. So there's four places where it said Takula. And I was like, okay, well, what if I did this? What if I ordered uh, 30, no, 120,000 stickers and just got into the warehouse and I just started stickering the boxes and I like added up and I was like, okay, that's going to take me like uh, 37 weeks or something crazy. And I was like, okay, well, we can't do that. I was like, I was like trying to figure out how to like. Yeah. Cause how can you make it like a marketing play? <laughs> I was like, how do like we minimize this risk as like best as possible? And the thing is, is that my, I guess to kind of answer your question is like, there will be speed bumps in the road, 100%. I mean, growing any brand, no matter how early on or how far down the road you are, you're going to run into screw-ups, you're going to run into issues, you're going to run into problems. It's all about how you deal with those problems. Because if I remember I was like, and obviously being hungover did not add to it by any means, but I was sitting there and I was like, oh my God, I was like freaking out. And I was like, well, freaking out's not going to change anything you know? So like, why don't we just try to figure out what we're going to do? Let's just build a plan and follow that plan as best as possible. 
So what we ended up doing is we ended up using those boxes as giveaway boxes. So like just to get the product out there because they were already cartoned. So there was already cans in the cartons. So I was like, okay, well, let's, we're not going to destroy all that, those cartons and, and get the, because we would also get charged for them to break down the cartons, pull the product out. So that would have even been a bigger charge. So I was like, let's start using them as donations because we already have a donation budget kind of already built in from like, you know, seeding product to activations, events, whatever. So we ended up just using all those boxes for that and getting it out there. And a lot of it was like social media play. People were posting about it and everything. And when they post about it online, they didn't see, you know, the Takula because it's just on social. So that was like, a, it minimized the risk. But, you know, the biggest thing was like, you know, panicking is not going to solve any issues. Like just keep going, figure it out. And you'll, you know, for the most part, figure out a way to false, at least minimize the problem. Um, but there's been so many thorns in my side and like building a brand and being a founder and being a boss, you know, you have to deal with that every single day from just managing people. Cause now we have a team of 10. So it's, it's tough managing people and those are, and that can be very, very difficult. That was, you already were flowing into what I was going to go into next because the thorn that you described was self-induced. Yeah. It's much more difficult when it's somebody else. Like how do you respond because most people react yeah but it's like how do you be a leader that responds and for you how's that transition been going to where if somebody else were to ma have made that same mistake how would jack respond yeah and that's something that you know because we've had this extreme growth over the past like eight months you know it went from me just behind the brand for so long for like 2022 2022-ish maybe a little bit longer and so for the past like year or so, we've been growing, hiring people on. And honestly, that has been the biggest growth moment just for me, not so much the brand, because it's been amazing for the brand, but it's tested me in multiple different ways of like, how does Jack manage people? You know, and at the beginning, I was not good at it. Like I kind of almost got like walked all over because I'm a very nice person and I don't like, it's not that I don't like confrontation, but it's just like, I always give people the benefit of the doubt and you have to, but there's a point where it's like, okay, like now you like, like how do you, like my big thing is like battling with how do I manage people and grow people, but also have them respect me and respect me as like, you're my boss still. And that's still something that I'm dealing with because I always lead from the front. I'm always there doing everything, like activations. I'm still running all the activations and I'm having my team like be there with me. It's not like, hey, you need to go do this, go do that. So it's, it's at the point where it's like, I'm so much of like the focal point of the company and like leading from the front. But I think there's this thing of like, sometimes that respect isn't fully there just because I'm such a nice forgiving kind of person. So it's kind of like that balancing point. Cause I can't like, I could never just be an asshole to my employees and I'd never would want to too. So it's that balancing act. It's also where I think there's seasons to everything. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're in a growth phase, I mean, I'm obsessed. My obsession is systems. It's the best companies have systems in place that help you manage people so you mm -hmm. 
can one see their strengths and weaknesses, but more importantly, see your own strengths and weaknesses. And yeah. I'm a big believer in just like cadence. So like any, a lot of things can be solved by doing what, just like what you said, where freaking out or getting angry or being pissed off is not going to solve any of this. Yeah. So like the emotion isn't going to save, isn't going to solve anything, but having a system where it's like, if something happens, how do we respond to that? And that, that takes time to grow. And that's totally. the hardest thing is just like when you have three people on your team and you can text back and forth, mm-hmm. it looks much different than when you have 10. It's like, we don't want to be in a text thread with 10 people. If I only need contact as one person, like how do we contact them? And then like, what does work even look like at that point? So it's definitely a, a difficult thing that I think you don't understand until you're in it. Yeah. And the, the biggest thing that you make a great point at is that, you know, Hive's my baby and I want to be on, I want to be CC'd on every email and like, I want to be a part of everything. I want to get visual visuals. I want to be just, I just want to see everything at a 50,000 foot view of like the whole company. And that I found has been bottlenecking a lot of stuff because I want to have my hand on everything. And it's not that I don't have trust in my employees to do it. It's just like, it's hard for me to like let go in like, cause my personality is very much so like I'm a doer. I'm always on top of everything and I want to make sure shit gets done when it needs to get done. So I always want to see what's going on and what the trajectory is. And okay, is this going to get done on time? No. Okay. Then like push them along. And I think needing to let go because it's actually slowing everything down because I have so much stuff coming through my inbox and so much you stuff don't that to focus I, on. I don't know what to focus on. And there's things, and I'm getting to the point right now where I'm, I'm understanding that. And sometimes I'm on, I'm on meetings and I'm like, I could be utilizing this time to doing X where I don't need to be on this call. And I'm slowly starting to be like, okay, like you guys handle this. And at the end of the day, if the team can't handle it, maybe they're not the right people for the job. Um, so I'm slowly kind of like, do you have a COO? I have someone that's head of ops right now. Who's like running like procurement, like production runs, all of those kind of things. Um, and then I'm hiring director of brand development. Um, who's going to be managing our whole influencer program, all of our events, all of our activations. I have a head of sales who manages our three sales reps. And then I have like creative in house. And then I have a couple of other, um, you know, consultants here and there. But, you know, the thing is, is that everyone goes to me. Like, for a while there, some of our sales reps were, like, coming straight to me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, you go to the SVP of sales. That's what he's here for. And now that that's, like, going, they're reaching out to him. So that's taking the sales side kind of off of me. So now I just kind of have to manage, you know, SVP of sales, director of marketing, and our ops person. And that's only been in the past couple of weeks, honestly, that it's, like, finally we're, like, getting there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a process and you're never going to do it overnight. And I think one thing that we still need to like get organization behind is just like, we're growing so rapidly. So it's like, you know, what is the way of communication? Yeah. Is it text? Is it email? Is it, you know, Slack? What is it? And now we're like finally like developing like, you know, actual platform through Asana that everything can kind of run through. Cause for so long it was just through like Gmail and that was an absolute shit show. And like, so yeah, so it's finally starting to be like more organized. Yeah. This is my, this is where I start lighting up. This is, yeah. This is where I come in. Um, have you ever read the book? So the Scaling Up is right here by Vern Harnish and then Traction, yeah. Gino Wickman. 
two really good books to read just on like how to build, how to go from like nothing in terms of you're an operator of one to yeah. like systems that can actually scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, another book that comes to mind is like the five dysfunctions of a team. And it reminds me of, uh, so unfortunately Charlie Munger just passed away and he does this thing um, where when he looks at a framework of any problem, he inverts it. So when you talk about like communication, instead of being like, what's the great, what's the best communication tool for mm-hmm. my company? It'd be like, what are the worst ways to communicate? Yeah. And you just line those up. It's like, okay, we're not going to text each other. We're yeah. like list out the things we're not going to do uh, first. That's that's and smart. then you figure out the best way to do it through like, what do we not want to be yeah. rather than like, what do we want to be? And then the same thing is like, you mentioned Asana. I mean, there's Asana, ClickUp, Basecamp, yeah. Slack, all, all yeah. these different things to ways to communicate. It's like, well, based on our team and based on where we want to go, what do we not want? And then you mm-hmm. start there. And then that kind of helps you build for the future where you're you're building a company where everybody understands who we not who who aren't we mm-hmm. and then everything else uh kind of just falls in place. But it's it's awesome to hear you talk about this because it's just the founder's journey. I love the founder's journey and the yeah. um I've heard it from so many different friends. It's one of the reasons that um I chose not to be a founder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah. dealing with all that. I love I'm just a nerd at heart. So just like reading yeah. and like podcasting and yeah. and learning and then also helping to communicate information. But it's something that is definitely inspiring to me and motivating to me to learn even more and um, understand even more is that people component because mm-hmm. um, that's what we're, comp- that's what any company is comprised of. Is totally. Our, is the people, people behind it. Yeah. In like building that sense of hive community at, at the base of it all. And that's one thing that's been so hard is because this post-COVID world, everyone's remote. Um, so creating that hive community on like, what are things that we can do every day to bring it, bring everyone together or, you know, once a week or what is it kind of getting, yeah, and that's something that we're going to be doing for next year is doing these retreats, these hive retreats, not only for our ambassadors, but for the employees to go to meet the ambassadors, meet the influencers, feel like they're really a part of it. Um, Cause it's, you get into the rhythm of, you know, just operating through Zoom, Google Meet, yep. text, all that. And that's so not, there's not that like human connection behind it. And that's, I mean, obviously I care about human connection and that's what's driving me to build this brand, like doing events like yesterday, but that needs to start at the company level. And that's one thing that, you know, I had an oversight on of like, hey, like, let's get this stuff going. Let's like, I'll help you guys as much as possible. But to go beyond that on like, who is this person as like, who is my employee actually? Like, who is it beyond their role, you know? And breaking those down and just getting to know each other. And that's so hard through a screen. Um, So that's something I'm super excited about for next year is to do these company retreats, getting, you know, everyone together because that's never happened once. We've never had every, well, the team's been growing like crazy, but we have not had one event where everyone was together in the whole Hive company, Spirit Hive company. So doing those is going to really help, you know, get everyone to know each other on like a personal level. I love that. And the fact that you're already thinking about that, I mean, companies go years with that, Mm -hmm. especially ones that in your position where you're raising capital, you're, you're slinging product and you're, and you're growing. Yeah. It's just like you, you want to keep that momentum. So things mm-hmm. just start moving and it can really get quickly. so easy to overlook the different things that, 
you you should be paying attention towards. And that's where um, another framework that could help you is maker versus manager is you can only put so much energy into being the maker, the creative Mm -hmm. or the manager. And eventually like you can only do one or the other. Yeah. You're going to get to a point where you scale to the point where it's like, am I more of a maker? Am I more of a manager? Where Mm -hmm. do I want to sit? And that I've seen for founders is very tough because of course you want to still be making at some capacity, but maybe there's better people for that. And like, you're just really good with the people on your Mm -hmm. team and you become more internally focused or the opposite. Right. But let's kick it into, so that's something that you're looking forward to doing in the future is bringing yeah. more of the, the onsite for your entire team. But what else is in store for Hive as you're moving into a new year? Yeah, I mean, products, you know, formulation, always the R&D behind that, building out new products to get into market. And one thing that we're doing is, um, so our vodka is our bestseller, our gin and our tequila right here are are like second and third and then we had a uh we're doing like a seasonal summer skew every summer so we developed it kind of did like a soft launch right now for a tequila pineapple and lime that we're gonna really push over the summer and then for the bourbon we're going to um only have that be a seasonal skew because that's our you know most expensive to produce um and it's our slowest mover it sells great during the winter time but you know it kind of falls off spring and summer so we're going to be doing seasonal skews of that and a new, probably a new flavor every year. So we're working on that formulation. And the crazy thing is, is that you always have to be looking like six, nine, 12 months down the road. So you're never fully present. You're always like looking down the road. So we already have to start formulation for, you know, this time next year, practically. So, you know, some fun stuff on the R and D side. And then, you know, I'm, I'm building something else right now underneath the Hive Brands kind of parent company. So we're building a, a sister company to Spirited Hive right now that I'm in the formulation process of. I can't give too much detail into it, but um, it's going to be non-alcoholic um, and it's going to be focused so much more on health and fitness, being a better for you brand, owning your everyday life, and this whole idea underneath Hive Brands and that's something that means so much to me is em- embracing balance in your everyday life. Kind of like looping back around to what I was saying at the beginning is that, you know, I'm super focused personally into health and fitness, but also obviously love to be with my Hive community. And one thing that I love doing with them is, you know, enjoying a drink here and there. And I think everything in moderation is totally fine. So this idea of embracing balance is going to be kind of at the forefront of Hive Brands Incorporated with this new non-alc skew that's going to be coming out that's going to be focused not so much on the non-alk side but more or less on recovery hydration all of that yeah i was telling jack before we jumped on here we we met at one of our buddy eric's retreats i was like you built the drink that i needed five years ago when i was actually <laughs> like literally drinking tequila on the rocks yeah. um so it's really cool to see you come out with that but then also this this next foundational piece that you're going to be adding i'm looking forward to seeing it come to life and then attaching myself to that yeah, one 100%. Um, because i don't drink alcohol anymore but for anybody out there that um is listening if this if you do drink and it's up your wheelhouse like one um jack is the fucking man like oh, connect connect that. with him and and everything that they're up to um and two like again the product it looks really sleek and I'm sure it tastes as good as it looks. Um, so give it a, give it a shot. And if you're in the 
better for you space. The big thing that we're always trying to do here on this podcast is to connect people that are hosting activations and, and building the community side in on, uh, let's see, it's December 17th, 2023, one year from now, like, what do you hope that this community looks like compared to what it is now? So if you could, if we could fast forward a year, mm-hmm. when you mentioned the word community and the things that you're doing, what is that, what is that, tr- what is the ethos of that look like one year from now? Cause you said you're planning ahead. So we talked a little bit about the product and you have the R and D, but from mm-hmm. a community that word just gets thrown around so much, but yeah, you've yeah, yeah. you've shot some ideas to me. Like mm-hmm. what what would be cool to say that you you did and accomplished in 2024 when it comes to the people and community side? Yeah, and that and if you kind of notice, like the hive community means so much to me, and like the whole idea that we're trying to really kick into overdrive for next year is this guy that I'm hiring for director of brand marketing what I'm super excited about to launch next year is we're, we're building out this hive ambassador program, this hive influencer program. And what we're going to start building is these, you know, company wide retreats, kind of like what I was talking about and the whole idea of like bringing people together and yeah, the product will be there and people will be drinking hive and strive and all of that. But it goes to, you know, bringing people together and a lot of stuff that we're going to do is around to start with is, you know, men's mental health awareness, that means a lot to me, you know, especially being a founder in the space, it's a very lonely, it's a lonely endeavor. So surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals to really, you know, just have a safe space for people to talk and, you know, have that sense of community together. That's one thing that we're going to be doing. And then, you know, this whole idea around act, uh, like activations and events is really what builds a brand, I think, and creating events that people actually remember like yesterday you know i'm all about people trying the product and loving the product and like oh yeah i'm gonna go buy this at the store like that means the world to me but what people will actually remember isn't so much the drink they're gonna remember oh yeah like all of us doing a plank and having to army crawl underneath each other like that's the kind of shit that people remember and how do they remember it they remember it by the name oh the hive hustle event you know and and next time they're in a grocery store or supermarket or a liquor store, they see Hive, they're more inclined to buy it. So it's kind of one of these things that, yes, you know, at the end of the day, our goal is to sell product. And that's from at like a company level, you know. But the thing that really gets me excited every single day is surrounding myself with people that are one, good people, are like-minded individuals, but also kind of see that same or somewhat on that same growth pattern. And that's what I've loved about Austin. And oh my God, I mean, I'm thinking, I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I probably should move here. It's awesome here. But like surrounding yourself with people that are just like that and building that Hive community and doing those events that really drive the sense of bringing people together, not so much driving sales. And I think for so long of building this company, that's all I was focused on. And what will happen is if you're driving the sense of community and building something that is not so much focused on the actual brand itself, sales will come from that organically. And that's what this whole kind of growth in 2024 is going to be is around activation and events. Um, Obviously still pushing product, but pushing it as almost like a secondary, not a secondary, um, you know, point of success, but 
you know, leading with the forefront of like bringing people together and building that hive community. So some, a piece of feedback I have for you yeah. in terms of like how to tie those two together, because the more, the more sales you make, the more activations you actually get to do. Yeah, exactly. So that's the, that's the double-edged sword. So it's like, you want, you always want to be sales focused, but activation driven, like, like we're driven by producing these things mm-hmm. and what we're doing with our money matters yeah. more than the money itself. And I yeah. think a lot of bigger companies lose sight of that because mm-hmm. there's a lot of really profitable companies out there that could be doing a lot more in their communities than they actually are because yeah. they're losing, they've lost sight. As long as you don't lose sight of that. But in terms of like the marketing and how to drive more sales from an activation mm-hmm. with your branding, it's like, how do you, um, like, what are they called? Um, where it's like a spot where like we would have taken taken a photo or a unique video yesterday. Oh, like a, like um, a, yeah. So just like there's little ideas you can always do where it's like or competitions or challenges or yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where like yesterday your branding is so on point. Like I could imagine if there was like a hive sign or mm-hmm. just like just something where I could like take a photo because even I don't drink right. Yeah. But I would have like taken that photo and then I would have freaking tagged. Hive from that. So it's just like in the future, I mean, you're already, your mind's already there. So it's just like, as you're moving more into the activation space, it's like, how do I get more shareable stuff, Mm -hmm. even from people that don't even drink like, like me. And if you do that, you're basically utilizing the activation as this place to communicate, connect and advertise, build, build relationships, but two, advertise so that you can only do more of the activations. Mm -hmm. Cause if you do, if you hit the advertisement right and it actually drives sales, like you can, 10x the amount of activations you can do, which is 10xing the, yeah. the impact you have in the and communities. I, and I think you make a great point early on that, you know, the events that we do, it's like, and it's a fine balance between both of those things because mm-hmm. we don't want it to be so in your face where it's like hive, 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 yeah. hive, like yeah. drink, hive, drink, hive, where it's like, you know, it's this almost like, um, you know, it's an event that's sponsored by hive and there's hive there. And you do these things to make you remember the event but it's not so much in your face, but I think that's an amazing idea of like have something that's maybe traveling from each event to event that it's like a photo moment for people to enjoy and for them to post. And then, you know, that only gets the name out there even more. And then it's almost known as like, oh yeah, when is that event going to come? It's like when you go to a wedding, what do you always do? You go dress up in these weird things and get your little, oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, the little photo, little yeah, photo. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh-huh. so it doesn't always have to be that same idea, but it's like along those lines of like, like I, when I go to weddings, like I remember the wedding, sure, but I also have this little memento that I yeah. that I took from it, and that's like almost congruent across all the events, where it's like the same for each one, yep. you know. Um, and so that's you know what an, to expect exactly, and that's like what we're really excited about is leaning more into the better for you health and fitness kind of category, and like owning trying to own that space from a RTD standpoint um, is really cool. So we're gonna be like linking with you know. More, you know, breath work events, yoga events, fitness events, contrast therapy events, um, because I find that, you know, through type two fun actually brings people together even more. Um, and what better way to celebrate, you know, something like that than, you know, to responsibly have, you know, a, a, a hive or a strive with, you know, their new friends that they made after an event like that. I just, yeah, you're, you're spot on. And I just thought of like another when I do these things, I always think of crazy ideas. This one's not that crazy, but it's simple and you can execute on is like with this designer guy. So I, I took a photo, every podcast guest that yeah. comes in here, 
I take a, a Polaroid of them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like looking at that. And I was like, what if you could make that into the design of a, of a hive? So like oh, when you're yeah. at an event, like you have a board that's the hive and people get their Polaroid taken and like that's, or just like random shit like that. That's just where I think of, or even your team. Yeah. It's just like, as your hive yeah. grows, you have this like board or something where it's like our hive is growing and then yeah. you just like stuff like that just comes to mind. Um, and that's the reason I did this. Like I have the date of every person that came in here and um, shot and it just reminds me of like, oh, that's my little hive yeah. that I'm growing here. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of cool um, thinking about like, cause even just yesterday, it's like, well, eventually as you grow, like you could do the hive hustle for, in five different cities at yeah. the same time. Yeah. Um, so we're getting close to wrapping up here. I appreciate you coming and, and jumping on here today. It's been awesome. Um, from the moment I met you, just like so high energy and I love it. Um, it's right up my alley and I look forward to everything that you're doing moving forward. If somebody listened to this episode here today and they loved what they heard, and they wanted to connect with you and your product, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. I mean, honestly, and before I get into that, I want to thank you so much. I'm so glad we got to meet and same thing. You're such a killer dude. So I'm excited to grow our relationship, but yeah, I mean, if anyone wants to connect with me, best way to reach me is probably just through Instagram, just at Jack Espy. Um, and then just follow Spirited Hive at Spirited Hive. And, you know, we're sold throughout all of Tennessee, Michigan, New York, Florida, Texas. So if you're any of those states, you know, go find it at your local retailer. And if you want to buy it online at spiritedhive.com. What are the next states? On the radar. Yeah. So next dates, I mean, for the non-ALC, we're going to be launching that through D2C and then the current markets that we're already in. Um, But states for 2024 is like my whole thing is, you know, own the states that you're in. Try not to cast too wide of a net. So we're going to be going into- Own your hive. Own your hive. And you can't extend too much. You can't have too many friends, you know, you got to keep it tight. So we're definitely going into Connecticut- um, and then we're in conversations with Wisconsin, Colorado, Utah, and Arizona. So we'll probably pick like three of those markets and then the rest will kind of get kicked down the line to 2025. Amazing. Love to hear that. If you were to define the word thriving, how would you define it? Last question we always ask everybody. Thriving. I think, you know, the biggest thing um, for me anyway, uh, to truly thrive is to one, be doing what you love, be excited to wake up every morning to do what you love. And then also when you're truly thriving is when you're thriving with others, when you're surrounded with the people that you love to be with. So I think that's kind of what means to me is to thrive is, you know, building that, got to wrap it back around, but building your hive is when you're truly thriving. I love that. What's the point of getting to the moon if you're there alone? Exactly. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. You're just all alone. You don't want to do that, right? Nope. I always talk about the the biggest takeaway I had uh, uh, at the end of the episode. And for this one, something, one word struck me. You said naive. And I think too often in times we care too much what other people think and we don't want to come off as naive. Mm -hmm. But I think being naive has so many advantages that we don't really understand like kids are naive yeah and and that's how they learn and they grow and they're not afraid to just try new things just because they don't know and they just want to figure it out so you have me reeling on where can i go into 2024 more naive and yes to the point earlier we were talking about plans are important and things like that but Mm -hmm. also just being naive and saying you know what 
I'm just going to go after this thing that I yeah. think I should be going after. Somebody today is going to hear that and hopefully go and help their own hive, their own community and their own ideas grow because they're going to hear what we talked about and say, you know what, like, I'm just going to be naive to all the naysayers out there and I'm just going to go for it. So I appreciate all the wisdom you brought here today. If you heard this episode and you think that somebody else out there could benefit from what Jack had to say, or they could benefit from his product, please share it with them. That's the best way for this episode and this podcast to grow and give us that five-star rating or review. We'd really appreciate it. This is CJ Finley with the Thrive Online Podcast. Thrive on y'all. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.